Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. Well, all right, everyone. Welcome to a uh, bonus episode of the State of America podcast. I am David. I'm coming to you from my secret underground uh, end of the world bunker, and uh, Ian is in his up in New York. Ian, it is strange times, my friend. It is, David. I just uh, came out from underneath my three blankets. With I had all the lights out. I was hiding, but I've come out just to do this episode. Hopefully, everybody appreciates that. We're here for you. This is what we do for you, people. Yeah, no, it's definitely strange times, David. Very, uh, very scary if you let it be. I mean, it's definitely a serious thing, and as I, uh, you know, hope everybody's doing well out there. Yeah. So what we decided we would do is um, kind of maybe do some bonus episodes, and uh, these are going to be to some extent kind of off topic. Um, and just kind of something to put out there because a lot of you are at home, fortunately or unfortunately, no matter how, how you look at it. I'm I'm in the healthcare field, so like. Nothing has changed for me except it's a little more tense and stressful, but uh, this will be good for me to um, kind of have a little bit of release on that. So uh, we're going to try to do maybe one bonus episode a week, and, and we may do more, and uh, we're going to reach out to some of you to be on here. We already have uh, someone lined up for one, and uh, she's going to do a great job on it. I'm looking forward to that. But Ian, uh, I mean, it's kind of a, a weird time. I have found myself listening to uh, a lot of music I haven't listened to in a while because uh, once I come home from work, there's no going out, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of music to be listened. To. I got you. Got to think Spotify is making a killing off this. Oh, the numbers are definitely got to be up. I mean, because now for for uh, you know two weeks, you know I, I I you know my store where I work closed, so I'm I, you know I'm laid off for two weeks. So I'm going to be doing a lot of catching up on albums, you know what I mean? So I would imagine that a lot of people are doing the same thing. I mean, when you're inside, it's, you know, Netflix and Spotify and, you know, whatever, or pulling out your records or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things we can do to help uh, artists. One, uh, maybe turn Spotify on and just put on um, repeat or something like that and, and stream your favorite artist as, you know, all day long. And, you know, Amazon is getting kind of wishy-washy with what they're going to ship, not ship. Supposedly, they aren't buying any new vinyl. So when I heard that, I went and canceled uh, some orders I had on Amazon and went directly to the artist. I got uh, the upcoming Pearl Jam album on vinyl and uh, Brian Fallon of the Gaslight Anthem ordered that directly from the artist. You're going to pay a little bit more when you do that, but I mean, it's it's helping them. And one of the things that I've learned from my other podcast is I've interviewed a lot of people that you know have been really successful in this business, but the, the one of the things that really has kind of slapped me in the face that I've learned from all that is it is so hard to earn a living now in the music business. And uh, some of these people that you think uh, are millionaires, they're, they're, they're not. And uh, this is going to hurt them just like it's going to hurt a lot of people in our country. So uh, I'm going to try to do my best to, to help those people out, order directly from them and hit Spotify up pretty good. And hopefully they'll get uh, some money from that. Yeah, it's a funny thing that you mentioned that. Like, I think because I think when people are in entertainment, whether it be films or music or, or whatever, the, the automatic assumption is that they have a lot of money. And, um, you know, while they might do, say, better than most, it's not necessarily mean that they are, you know, uh, 
you know, like uh, Scrooge McDuck swimming in their, uh, you know, big vault of money, you know, you know, it's, 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 it's so disastrous, this thing really, because it's having just a knock on effect in every facet of life, no matter what uh, line of work you're in or, or what avenue you chosen to go down in life, it's having an effect and it's, it's very wide ranging. Yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna affect everybody. It's gonna affect everybody listening, regardless if you're uh, in the states or internet. We have a lot of international listeners, th- those people as well. But let's all uh, let's all don't hoard stuff. Let's wash our hands. Let's uh, kind of stay away from one another and uh, don't panic and don't hoard everything uh, <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> uh, we, we, th- those of us that are in the healthcare field. We need uh, these masks and alcohol and stuff like that. So if if you're staying home. And you're washing your hands. You're keeping away from people. Uh, you know, you don't need a gallon of uh, of rubbing alcohol or you know a thousand surgical masks. Um, some of us really need that, and it's going to you know help prevent the spread of the disease. But let's get on to some happier stuff, Ian, because nice. uh, I've been sitting around watching all this, and it does it does have a tendency to get you down. I reached out to some people on Twitter and asked them, uh, "Hey, we're going to record a bonus episode. You guys got any questions you want us to ask?" So. I'm going to hit you up with some with some questions, Ian, and I'll chime in when I see fit. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. I'm ready. All right. The first one is from T. Jones. What are the odds that the Crows release new music either this year or next year? That is a fantastic question, and, uh, you know, of course, one that's on the lips of many fans. I would say the odds are probably about 50-50 at this point. Um, I would imagine it would largely have to do with how successful the tour is, not just financially, but successful on a personal level for them. And if they deem they can, you know, uh, work together following that, I'd be interested to hear some new material only because, you know, some people obviously don't like the fact that all the other members are non-originals and all new people, but those guys come from very interesting former groups and, and things. And I'd be interested to hear what they would bring to the table as far as original material would go. All right. We have another one from Godfather table press. What is the greatest live song? All right. My favorite live song of all time is Comfortably Numb on Pink Floyd Pulse. That's my favorite live song of all time. My favorite live song by the Crows is always going to be my morning song. What are yours? Uh, Crows-wise, I would have to say i got to cheat a little bit. It's kind of a, a twofer. Uh, they're hand-in-hand. Hand. The Ballad Wiser, that's my favorite live. You know, when they really – when they hit that, especially during the Mark Ed era, you know, that's uh, – there's nothing better for me. Geez, overall best live song. Uh, it's hard to say for me, really. I've seen so many, so many great bands, and there's so many songs that that really transcend a live setting. I will say this: one of the greatest live songs I've ever seen is Van Halen doing Unchained. When I saw uh, the last time I saw them, they opened the show with that. I saw two different singers do it. I saw Gary Sharon handle it the first time, and then. Obviously with Dave, but that's thrilling live, that song, uh, for whatever reason. For me, anyway. And as an opener, it was great. It really set the pace for that show. All right. That leads us into a perfect segue into a question from Darren71. What do you guys listen to besides Crows and Crows related? Um, I listen to a lot of uh, Pink Floyd, the Rolling Stones, Oasis, Metallica, Megadeth. I've been listening to a lot of The Cure lately, R.E.M., Marcus King, My Morning Jacket. Those are just some off the top of my head. What about you, Ian? Well, my tastes are very varied, uh, David. A lot of people think I just listen to the Black Crows, but uh, I also listen to Rich Robinson and Mark Ford. 
and <laughs> and the North Mississippi All Stars. I'm very uh, varied. Uh, now, uh, I uh, I'm a big as I just mentioned. I'm a big uh, Van Halen fan. Uh, also, you know, I actually uh, I dabble in a lot of things. Uh, lately, I've been on. I've been on the Wood Brothers a lot lately, which I've always loved them, but they just came out with a new record called uh, Kingdom in My Mind, which I think I've listened to every day since it came out. Uh, really fantastic record there. I'm big uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and all their facets, uh, including a very big Neil Young. Lately, I've been listening to some more uh, – I've been breaking out some old 90s stuff, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Soundgarden, Collective Soul, that kind of thing. So that's where I'm at right now. But it's hard to really pinpoint what my – genre is I'm, I'm i'm all over the board you know yeah i am too and you said 90s i, I like alice and chains and i like i like pearl jam a lot mm. widespread panic um kind of all over the place wilco uncle tupelo sun vault all that stuff so yeah we uh we don't just listen to the crows but we listen to the crows a lot all right last yeah. question is from michael fullerton after seeing the brothers of a feather set list what songs will be mixed in this summer or whenever we get back to normal you got to believe Remedy's going to get played every night. Some combination of Hotel Illness and Sting Me and Thorn. I see a conspiracy getting played, and I see soul singing. I would I, I would agree with all those. I mean, I would have to say pretty much anything that was released as a single would be fair game because that would be considered a hit of some sort. And you know, I don't know if hits all, the term hits also extends to fan favorites because some songs of theirs weren't necessarily radio hits, but they became – fan hits and you know so you might see some of that i think a lot of the material that you saw on brothers of a feather is going to be translated to the electric setting and and kind of make up the uh, the bulk of the rest of those shows yeah i think they're going to cater more to the casual fan on this one this time around i mean and you know reportedly they've signed a two-year touring contract so i'm being optimistic i'm thinking the second go round it's going to be a little more aimed toward people like us but i think this one is going to be pretty much it's going to be it's going to be aimed at the person that you know, it's familiar with those first two, maybe three albums for the most part. I mean, but soul singing got a lot of um, airplay when it came out. It's a, it's a great song and it's going to work well in those, you know, amphitheater type settings. I was thinking about this just very recently, actually, you know, there's a lot of people. And like I said, I don't uh, blame them or fault them or anything, but a lot of people very against the upcoming tour. But I was thinking, you know, if the tour is successful, it might be a reason for them to continue on or it might be a catalyst rather for them to continue on with more old school fan oriented type of stuff. If they can say, Hey, look, we can draw this much. And that might be, Hey, let's do a Southern Southern harmony reunion thing. Or so I don't know. That's, you know, that's why I like to keep an open mind with these things, you know? All right, Ian. So since this is going to be kind of a bonus episode and it's not going to be centered around the crows, one of the ideas we had was kind of maybe talk about our, our first rock concert. Um, yes. Because I think that's always a, and people that are music nerds like us, that's always kind of a big thing. I'm going to go ahead and be honest here because I'm honest with all of you people and I don't want to live a lie and I want to uh, be an open book. Ian, my first rock concert was Def Leppard and that's what I'm going to talk about. But I have to be honest with everybody. When I was in the seventh grade, my, my late friend Eddie, his sister was in the ninth grade and heard some of her friends. They took us to see New Kids on the Block. Uh, oh, David. Yeah. You this should have been disclosed before we uh partnered up for this podcast, okay? I know. You know? <laughs> I, I, I saw um I saw New Kids on the Block at the Mid South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. And then like a year so a year or so later I was in the eighth grade and uh there's a college not too far from where I, I grew up. 
like twice a year they would have like I remember I remember them growing up they had like Survivor and Thirty Eight Special and stuff like that, and they had a uh, a concert coming and uh, another guy in my class was like, hey, I think my parents are just going to take a group of us and drop us off and let us go. I saw Richard Marks. Well, that is quite the one-two punch, David. But uh, let me tell you something, and I'm going to say this, and uh, you people out there can judge me as you will, but uh, I know he's uh, caught up in a uh, a very slick production period, late 80s, early 90s, what have you. As far as like pop hits of the time goes, uh, Richard Marks can write a tune. You know what I'm saying? He's not a terrible songwriter. He's not. He doesn't do songs I particularly like, but the songs aren't bad. If you can understand what what I'm saying there, do you know who he's married to? Who's that? Daisy Fuentes. You remember her? Is that right? Yep. Well, then, who cares? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, she's th- gorgeous. This was about the time I think he had the song with "Endless Summer Nights" and all that, and it was that concert was about as you would expect. But all right, so my first concert that I'm gonna say is my first rock concert was February 9th, 1993 in Memphis, Tennessee at the Mid-South Coliseum. Def Leppard, and they had come out. They were on the second leg, I think, of their Adrenalize tour. I would have been 16 at that point. And uh, Memphis was like an hour and a half away from where I grew up. And uh, it was a a group of us were going to go. And I remember we got the tickets early. And and I had been a Def Leppard fan since like probably 87 or 88. I was like 11, I think, or 10 or 11 when... um, Hysteria came out. And of course, you know, this is a time everybody that's listening to this can remember this. You know, people had tape players and you, you, you know, a friend of yours would get a tape and you would make a copy of it or whatever. So this girl that lived behind me, her older sister had a copy of Hysteria. And so she made me a copy of it, but never put the names of the songs on there. And so, and you know, that's a long album. That's a really long album. So for the longest time, I had the cassette tape and I didn't know the names of like the songs except for like pour some sugar on me. I could decipher that. And, uh, cause you know, some of their lyrics at times are kind of hard to understand with their, the, the way their accent is. And it's so overdubbed or whatever. But anyway, I, eventually I had enough money to buy the cassette and everything. So I loved hysteria. And then, uh, my friend's brother came over. He's like, Oh, if you like hysteria, you got to get, you know, high and dry and, um, pyromania. So I got those. So Def Leppard was a band that I really liked, a lot growing up and you know obviously they they toured the hysteria tour and then they had just a one thing after another happened to them with joe elliott's voice and then you know steve clark died of of alcohol poisoning or something to that effect and they put out this album and man i was so excited when we got tickets to it and it was going to be they were still doing the in the round thing you remember that from the hysteria Mm -hmm. tour oh yeah absolutely and so uh Man, I was pumped, and at the time, I really liked Adrenalize. It uh, it soured on me as the years have gone on, but I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. They're going to play a lot of these songs off Adrenalize. And of course, you know, this is before the internet. You don't know what set lists are. You don't know what the stage is going to look like or anything. And so we get there, and it's in the it's in the middle of the Coliseum. It's probably, I don't know, 11,000, 12,000 people there sold out. And it's, that, it's just this huge tent over the stage. And um, the fans are all the way around it. And I remember thinking like, how are they going to get to the stage? Like, are they under the stage? Like, is there like a secret door or whatever? And come to find out, and I remember this, about 30 minutes before the show started, some janitors came up to the, uh, they were pushing like um, these big carts that you would see, like you throw towels and stuff in, like at the gym. And they're pushing those and they push them up next to the stage for a few minutes and then they take them back. Come to find out that's the band members in there. 
and they're you know they're getting under the stage and anyway i just remember um the lights go down and basically it was the image from uh, the hysteria album is like projected onto this big black tarp going around um the, the whole stage and they played the clip from clint eastwood uh you know it's like so you got to ask yourself punk did he fire five shots or six you know it's a 44 right. magnum most you know and then do you want to get rocked? And at that time the sheet drops and like everything that I had ever envisioned it to be just happened at once. I was like, Oh my gosh. And like from like that literally is like the moment that like the hooks were in the mouth for like live music and uh, was just geeking out the whole time. And they played five songs off Adrenalize and they played a song that is one of my favorite Def Leppard songs. I don't know if you're familiar with that album or not. They had a song called white lightning. Yeah, it's one of the better songs on that album. Yeah, which is written about Steve Clark. You know, I don't think they played it after this tour. And so uh, I I was really, it was really cool that I got to see that. And it was like a group of us. It was like four or five girls and like four or five guys. And of course, did the cheesiest thing you can ever do, buy the t-shirt and then wear it to school the next day. You know, everybody (laughs) I know, I saw Def Leppard. But uh, it it was just a lot, a lot of fun. And I was just like taken in by the bigness of it all. And, you know, you, you had these great guitar players and Phil Collin and Vivian Campbell. Of course, I didn't know who Vivian Campbell was at the time. I mean, when he was with Dio and, um, was he with Thin Lizzy a little bit? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, it was just like one of my, my favorite musical experiences. And, and Duff Leopard is like always been like a, kind of guilty pleasure for me. Sometimes I kind of have to whisper to people. Yeah. I like Def Leppard a lot, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun and it was just one of those things you look back on. You're young and, it's just you know it's a big deal you're you know you're you're going you're going off to this other city by you know with people your own age and you know i remember we got back at like two two or two thirty in the morning and you know went to went to work, uh, school the next day but i still have that t-shirt somewhere of course it's not going to fit me now but uh anyway I, I just enjoyed that show so much and that though that band will always have a special place in my heart but just solely on that experience yeah i mean you say you know you had to whisper to people that you like Def Leppard. And you know what? That, that's sad in a way, uh, just speaking, because um, they're such a great band. And and they kind of got lumped in with the 80s stuff. And, and uh, you know, truthfully, at the time, a lot of their production and stuff on certain things was, you know, was of the era. But they've written some great songs. And, and the guys in Def Leppard love some great bands. I mean, the stuff that influenced them and the stuff they talk about. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Ian Hunter and Mott the Hoople and, and, you know, all the glam stuff, T-Rex, David Bowie, David Bowie, all that, all that seventies, you know, glam kind of era stuff. That's great stuff. And it really, you know, the covers they do of that stuff, they have one album where they did several covers and mostly stuff from that period. Their most recent album had some great songs on it. I mean, they still, you know, and I've seen them five, six, maybe even seven times, myself you know more recently uh you know within the last 10 years or so i I think they're fantastic i don't think anybody should ever feel shame in being a fan of that band they're great and that's a great first concert they are an amazing live band i saw them again like two years ago with like poison and tesla you know it's just amazing you you think about you know rick allen has one one arm like what a great testament to like I'm not going to let a situation dictate who I am. I'm going to beat it. You know, and Vivian Campbell's recovering from a couple of bouts of cancer. And obviously Mm -hmm. Joe Elliott had, you know, massive um, vocal issues. And then, you know, Steve Clark died and Rick Savage had Bell's palsy. You know, you can see that when you, 
when you see them now. But yeah, they they're just a great live band. And like, if you want to go to a show and just have a good time, I mean, that's that's one of my favorite bands just to go see and just have fun and not be too serious. Yeah, I saw them actually. One of the times I saw them was when uh, Vivian Campbell was just you know just went into remission on that, and he played his ass off. He was fantastic. I mean, that guy's a a great guitar player. And I didn't know till actually more recently that he had done time with in Dio's original band and things like that. Yeah. You know, they have a band now called last in line, which is most of the original Dio band. They've put out two albums. Uh, I think the bass player died a couple years ago, but all right. So my favorite first band was an English band and, and your first band was an English band, right? Yeah. Mike, well, see now you made the stipulation on this cause I have a kind of a caveat as you did. Because my first rock concert was an English band. My first concert was the Monkees, okay? And as a seven, six, seven-year-old kid, uh, I, the Monkees could uh, do no wrong in my eyes. And the only disappointment for me was at the time they were touring as the Monkees, it was only three of them. It wasn't uh, Michael Nesmith with them, who was my favorite. So it was a little bit of a letdown. But my first rock concert, though, was very respectable. A very respectable name. Much like the Crows. To uh, Squabbling Brothers. Uh, my first concert was 1993, Jones Beach, The Kinks, which was a fantastic concert. And I, I lucked out somehow. My father got tickets within like the first six or eight rows. So I was really close. It was really loud. And they played all the songs I loved. And at the time, they had a record out called Phobia, which uh, kind of went by the wayside. I don't think it sold real well. But actually, it's a great record. And uh, recently, uh, Record Store Day, they re-released it as a vinyl. And I bought it just because that was the, the tour of the first rock concert I went to. And a fantastic time. And I also, uh, it wasn't long after that that the Kinks packed it in. And it just became you know them separately touring. I think they did maybe one more tour in 95 after that. And that was it, really. So I feel like I kind of saw something pretty special. I loved the Kinks as a kid. I, I My father told me about you know, you really got me and and all day and all the night and bought me the tape. And I had this tape of the Kinks greatest hits and I got to know all those songs, but I mean, so so how old were you? Uh, I was, there was 93. So I was, I was 12 years old and, uh, it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, since then I've, I've come to appreciate the Kinks for more as the the great songwriters. They are especially Ray Davies. I mean, their stuff in the seventies is great. They have an album called, uh, Lola vs. the Power Man and the Money Go Round, I think, mm-hmm. Volume 1. That record is fantastic. And uh, there's a lot of songs on there that you don't necessarily know. You know, they weren't on the radio, except for Lola, obviously. But uh, it's just great. And they have, you know, they have such such great albums. I love that. I don't know. I, I never actually asked you, David. Are you a fan of the Kinks? Or? I basically know the hits. Like, probably five or six songs. I, I, never, I never have, like, tried to get into them. I, I, you know, I listen to a lot of people and they listen, you know, List of Davies, was it Ray Davies and Dave Davies? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is like big influences on them. And, you know, a couple years ago, they had that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert and Metallica played all the day and all the night with uh, Ray Davies mm-hmm. out there. And, you know, I think James Hetfield said, you know, hey, these guys are like kind of the original riff heroes, <laughs> um, you know, and, and played that. And um, so, I mean, that's kind of, I, I know some of our other listeners, uh, I know Jim Regan, he's a big uh, Kinks fan. He listens to us. And uh, I need to like maybe get you and him to like make me like a 10 song playlist of things that aren't the hits and get me into it. It's a funny thing because they lasted through so many eras where music was 
changing much more rapidly. So they, you know, they have songs that are in that 60s vein. And then their 70s material was real good. But then even in the 80s, they had a little bit of a resurgence where they had songs like uh, uh, Destroyer and uh, Low Budget. And, you know, so they and they they have all these different eras. So it, it's funny. It depends on where you jump in, I guess. But uh, I, yeah, I've always I've always loved them. And uh, Dave Davies is a, a very underrated guitar player. You know, a thing that a lot of people don't realize because maybe his name isn't as uh, well known or at the top of the list as much, but uh, he he was really the one of the top guys who influenced rock guitar. I mean, you really got me was one of the first instances of real distorted guitar, which they used to do by cutting this, the speaker cones on the amps, you know, so they would vibrate a certain way. And I mean, he's really innovative in that and 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 doing that fiery guitar lead. You know, he's like one of the first guys that took a solo in songs like that. That wasn't just mm-hmm. kind of a a retread of the melody of the verse or the chorus or something right. like just, just rocking out. I mean, they're unbelievable. Lots of rumors are going to get back together. I'm sure you've heard those. Yes, I saw. I mean, that's been going for like a year now. I mean, bittersweet to me in a way could be great. I'd love to see it, but those guys are considerably older now. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's a bit too late. You know, I hate to say that, but sometimes, sometimes the ship has sailed. If uh, Led Zeppelin reunion now, the ship has sailed on that for me. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It'd be cool if you had the kinks, the crows, and Oasis. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself, would you? No, no, that'd be fantastic. Who would be the, who would be the headliner, though? You know what I mean? <laughs> By name, it would have to be. Well, you know what? It kind of, that could be one of those things. It kind of could be depending on where they were playing. Well, England, England would be a tough call because the kinks and Oasis are huge over you there. You got to so. give that to Oasis. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they. I think just, they are. I think they are the kings of England, uh, or at least were at one time. You know. Hey, and if you guys don't follow Liam Gallagher on like Twitter or Instagram, he he's doing some great work right now. Like, he's he's doing hand washing, and you're supposed to wash your hands for twenty seconds, and he's singing Oasis lyrics while he does it. You know, and he keeps uh he keeps saying, "Hey, Noel, we need to get back together and have you know one show." And it's kind of funny because like he's like openly for years has been at telling Noel when you get back together and Noel's just like, you know, I'm not doing it or anything. And a couple of years ago, it's really funny. I saw Noel on his last tour and I don't really understand the backstory of it, but they, they had a, a young lady who Noel says very, very talented and helped them a lot in the studio. And they decided to take her out on tour, but she really didn't have anything to do. So she stood there during some of the songs and just had a pair of scissors and opened and closed them in front of a microphone. And she was the scissor <laughs> person. And uh, it was, you know, it was kind of like this kind of like high of the show. Like he would introduce her and the crowd would go crazy or whatever. Something happened and she had to leave the tour for a while. And he just posted, you know, it may have been an illness or whatever. Hey, we all need to, you know, keeping our thoughts and prayers or whatever. And so, you know, Liam, <laughs> Liam always refers to Noel as potato head, says that Noel has a potato head. And Noel, I mean, Liam tweets, tweets out. And he goes, I'll go on tour with you and just stand behind you and peel a potato the whole show. <laughs> So those guys are uh, those guys are, are are something else. And well, you're a very big uh, Oasis fan. I mean, I I enjoy Oasis a lot. I mean, I, the, they have two records that I really really uh, en- enjoyed. Uh, one's "Be Here Now" and the other one's "Standing on the Shoulder of Giants." Maybe not the, the most popular ones, but I, I always like those two. But you're you're much you're much deeper into them. Is that isn't that right? Yeah, the the, the two albums that I really kind of. There are some highlights on Be Here Now that I like. I, I like Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. It has some it has some really strong songwriting on it. 
gosh, I'm drawing a complete blank now. It's the album after Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. It's got a Hindu ty- uh, Heathen Chemistry. I kind of that's got a couple of songs on it a light, but other than that, I, I could do without. But um, their last album, Dig Out Your Soul, was really really good, and like I really liked the direction the band was going on that one. Um, and I, I'm I tend to like I really I don't think I've ever bought any of Liam's solo stuff, but Noel's solo stuff is amazing. Oh yeah, um, and, and and from his first album to where now he's just kind of releasing like EPs, but um, he's really changed a lot. And I'm gonna be honest with you on this last album, he had to use up some of his capital he built with me because it's a little more techno, techno and like kind of dance oriented. Is that right? Yeah, but I gave it a time, and it was wound up being my album of the year. And like I said, I saw him on that tour, but I really gravitate more toward his. Uh, his his solo stuff than Liam's and honestly I, I I really like his songs the best in Oasis, uh, especially like Oasis songs that he sings that mm-hmm. Liam sang. But you see him in concert or whatever, he'll see him like uh, "Go Let It Out." Uh, he does that. He does a great job on uh, Wonderwall and 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 you know. But I, I gravitate more toward him and kind of side with him, I guess, in that sibling rivalry. I always liked. I mean, I like the high flying birds. The uh... Who Built the Moon, I haven't really got around to fully digesting yet. But, I mean, I always liked the High Flying Birds. There was a post-Oasis group called BDI, which I did enjoy. That was more Liam's thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. haven't really enjoyed much of the stuff that has just Liam's name on it. Like his last album, I believe, was called As You Were. I just yeah. couldn't really get into it. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of people see him as very uh, obnoxious. And he is in a way. But I, I think a lot of it is lost on American audiences because the English humor is, is a bit different. So, so a lot true. of things they do is, is out of humor, but it seems it, – it just comes across differently. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be a fun tour to go see for sure. Um, yeah. All right, I saw he, that brotherly love. That was fantastic. Uh, I mean, that was I my first tour. We're going to do a podcast on just on that on that tour at some point. Um, yeah. Break that down for everybody. Hey, listen, everybody, like I said, this is a bonus episode. We're going to try to do at least one of these a week, maybe more, depending on uh, my schedule and uh, what Ian can do. And, uh, you know, it's weird times we're living in and uh, music helps people and uh, podcasts help people. And so um, if you enjoy this, please uh, share it with people and continue to leave those Apple podcast reviews and uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, State of America. And then Ian runs our Facebook page and does a good job on it. And we have a... uh, Instagram page, State of America podcast, and we're going to try to spend some of this time where everybody's at home trying to get some more interviews. And so, like I said, we're reaching out to some of you to come on, and uh, at least one person has already agreed to do that. And we have some, um, we recorded an interview earlier today with somebody I think you're really going to enjoy. It's probably going to be a couple of weeks for that one comes out, though, because we've got some other stuff in the pipeline. But Ian, we didn't talk about this, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, make a call and pick a playout song. Uh, since this is a bonus episode and not necessarily built around the crows, gonna pick something else. And um, it's a song that I, that I really like. I find very inspiring. And uh, these are kind of tough times. So to play us out by one of my favorite bands. People ask who some other favorite bands are. One of them is uh, the Drive By Truckers. This is a cover of an Eddie Hinton song, but the song is called "Everybody Needs Love." Stay tall, everybody.
Let's go.